The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? So, we're going to make homemade paella tonight. Which I'm excited about. Yes. So, I found a Spanish cocktail. Simple, simple cocktail. It's a Spanish gin and tonic. Okay. And the one thing that's interesting about this is that they don't their go-to is not just to put lime mm, in that's it that's english right yeah. and then even you like bitters in it right? right so they don't go that route they can yeah. obviously but what this recipe was interesting they add a wheel of lemon yes. to it six juniper berries oh. and thyme and oh. their theory is that when you're using a dry gin, which they prefer in their gin and tonics, uh-huh. that you are getting things that enhance what the gin was distilled or how it was distilled. Right. So like a lot of London dries have juniper berries, juniper berries right. in them and things like that and, and herbish uh-huh. things. So this one has thyme, juniper berries, and mm. lemon slice all as a garnish. Yeah. It's simple. It they is. also serve it in wine glasses with a straw. That's very specific. Very Spanish. Yes. And um, it's definitely pretty to look at. It's very summer looking. Two ounces of gin, of a dry gin, yep. and top it off with tonic. But they're very picky about the tonic too. Like Fever Tree, which is the one we use all the time, they say that's their go to. Oh. But if you use the tonic out of a gun, it'll often be too sweet. Right. Or not carbonated enough. Right. Because that's just the way it is. If you have to, you have to, but they would prefer this out of a okay. bottle. So let's try it. Let's have a taste. You know, that's... That's nice. It's very it's very clean. It's very fresh. Yeah. You can see why this would be a great summer, yeah. like, you know, on the outdoor Patty, cafes uh, yeah. and things. People would have this at happy hour. Yeah. This is like gets the night going. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And it's excellent before our dinner. It'll be great. No, I love it. Yeah. I think it's, you know, we obviously made gin and tonics. A lot of different ways. Oh, sure. But this is very clean. It's got a really interesting... It's really clean. I'm amazed. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at Slub, S-L-U-B-B, dash usa.com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder. 
a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at weminder.app. All right, the story of O. Lots in this Chapter section. one, mm-hmm. part three. Now, just to remind everybody, we're just making up the parts because these are long chapters. So this is the third part we're reading from chapter one. Yep. So it's still early in her stay. She's still in her first two weeks of being there. Her initial stay, as we learn later. And it's interesting, you know, because the section begins with her lover sort of explaining to us as the reader his inquiry about ownership. Yes. And he really... His expectations. His expectations of her. And he really is simply objectifying her. He's really just turning her into property, just simply. Yes. And it's clear to me that he gets off at some level of giving her away, sharing her, what he calls humiliating her. Mm -hmm. That's like his kink. Like his kink is to put her out there. Now, as I mentioned, this is not unlike the relationship I had with the submissive before I met you. Sure, sure. Where her husband would put her out to different doms to use and Mm -hmm. abuse and Mm -hmm. then reclaim her when she came home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The point is that I get the frame of reference that the dom has in this case Mm. about her as property. Right. And then there's a little conversation about her sort of confronting that and and being well happy and sad about it. Yeah, because what happens is uh, one of the other girls comes in named Jean to dress her. She needs to get ready because the midday bell rang and O's kind of at a loss, like what to do. So Jean's there to help. So they dress her in the satin gown with bodices and it's, she's right. just watching herself being dressed and experiencing that she's, this dressing is to put her on display and that she's available yes. basically. And then Renee wants to make sure she understands, like basically he's, he's taking away her agency. Yes. And so he says, this is what will happen. For example, he just got, ex- got done describing how, Anyone that that uses you or beats you or whips you or anything that happens to you here is an extension of me. It's because I'm choosing it. So you have to treat everyone as if it's me. Yes. That everything's an extension. And then he says, I don't know if he says something to her or he snaps his finger, but basically Jean then lifts her. He tells Jean to lift her dress. Lift her dress. And that she does and exposes herself, right? Yeah. And then he goes into fingering her and kissing on her neck. And O's standing there watching this. Right. And then he knew she'd get upset about that, Which right? Which she does. Which she does. Yeah. She kind of loses her footing. Yeah. And then he lets go of Jean and goes over and consoles her and tells her he loves her over and over again. She notices things like, you know, he's grabbing her neck and k- kissing her and she feels the wet fingers that were just in Jean's pussy on her neck. And she's like, I'm just, he doesn't care that he's doing that to me and that that's what he wants. And I have to be at effect right. to this right. and that it, it's a, it's a kind of a mind fuck for her on, he stays with her on this occasion long enough until she seems to be normalized by, I love you. And that this is just part of it right. kind of thing. Yeah. She's really getting the world that she's in. Now. Yeah, she's beginning to understand the loss of agency that she's experiencing mm-hmm. and that she is property. Yeah, she's beginning to understand that in the way the valets handle the women. 
mm-hmm. that that could be the way they handle her too. Like she's watching the women in the chateau be used and abused by the valets, but to the letter of the law. Like the valets who are dressed a certain way and so forth, they don't really have agency either. They have a very limited role right. in enforcing silence and enforcing obedience. Yeah. But they're not actually masters, so, but, although so they, they do. Look, they look for these very light indiscretions, which then punish. leads to punishment, whether yeah. that's whipping or you suck my cock or whatever yeah. it is, right? Yeah. And that she was amazed that, that, that the silence for her wasn't as hard. Right. That wasn't a hard thing for her. Right. It was the averting of the eyes. Right. And that... Well, she's a photographer, remember, so... Yeah, so she's just... She's used to looking. At people's faces, and that yeah. was like the hardest thing. But she watched yeah. time and time again that if a valet was in the process of punishing a woman and he was the only one on watch in this area, the other women would take advantage of that situation to and begin talking and communicating yeah. while he's preoccupied with another person. Yes. Right? So it almost is like she's watching certain people jump to their knees on certain things right? because they want the attention of the valet. That's what I gather from some of the ways, the ways they jump. And then some of them just being obedient. And she's trying to discern this. Like some people are talking and then they just kneel because they know they made an infraction, but she's trying to discern. And was that on purpose? Right. She's trying to was understand. That, was that she, you know, because she's looking at it from these are the rules and you get punished. And, and her experience of that was, you know, when the valley first whipped her, right? Right. So she's trying to find out where are my edges of my boundaries. Right, exactly. And it's amazing because this human phenomenon that where people try to find boundaries, it happens with every human. Yes. We watch as we, as adults, we're raising children. Right. Children will find the edges of our rules right. and go right up to the edge, right? Or over. Right. Or over. But they'll yeah. go right up to the edge if they start to learn to be smart about it, right? right. And prisoners do this. I mean, this happens sure. in all phases of life. And so it's very human that they're doing this. And I thought that was interesting to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm getting in the telling of the story is the psychological journey that she's taking as she loses her agency. She's trying to like relate to her lover as a lover. She wants to give him what he wants. Mm -hmm. He's telling her how to please him Mm -hmm. by being this available person. And sexually available to the other masters or whomever. And that at the same time, she's trying to sort of find a place amongst the women and and seeing how they relate to both the masters and the valets. And there's a point where they're at their lunch place and the tiles are black and the walls are black and the table's black. Which is kind of sensory deprivation a little bit. It is, yeah. There's black leather stools for them to sit on, and they have to lift their dress to sit on the stool. Bare butt, yeah. Bare butt, and she is thrown back to that first time she'd had to do that in the car. She remembers, oh, yeah. Well, and she even foreshadows, because it's it's interesting to write this, because all of a sudden we go from her with Renee talking to her about what's the expectation. All of a sudden she's flashed forward as they're walking down the halls. She's recalling in the first eight days or with right. the first two weeks. And then in this particular instance, she flashes forward and says, and no one knows that even though I'm going to work and in my right. suits, that right. I'm still naked underneath. And right. that she is recalling when I get on a bus and I sit down, I'm feeling the same feeling 
as I did in the Chateau, which is like jumping way forward, like way after the Chateau. So it's interesting that you're getting, I'm bringing this up because people always say about this book, well, we never know if she died or whatever or something like that. And I don't really know the ending yet, but I would say that the author is giving you some context here way early on because she's already foreshadowing that she's back in normal life riding buses, going to work. She's talking about wearing suits and skirts, innocuous clothing, and then sitting on seats like this and having flashbacks. So I would say to everyone, the author just told you what's happening to her. Right. Yeah. And she talks a little bit in the wrap up of this part of the book. She talks a little bit about her experience in the Chateau and how she copes with the silence and she copes with the punishment and she copes all this, but the thing that really gets her are the chains. Oh, and then I read that part because yeah. that's, for some reason, that's my thing. Yeah. I, I have no idea why, but she says exactly how I feel. There are freedom in the bounds of the chains. There's freedom. Yeah. And I do feel that. I feel my self-expression as a sexual creature comes out yeah. as you change me in a high protocol scenes. I think I become someone or something else. It's interesting. Yeah. And it, and I would never have been able to tell you that. It's not like I experienced bondage or even chains at any point in my life where it would have been significant. I don't have a fantasy about being chained up. I don't sit here and fantasize it, about it. caught change. you by surprise. I don't, but I actually, even though I've been with you and we use chains, I don't sit and fantasize about chains. Right. It has to do with the context of the moment we're in and your intention with those chains when you do that. It's the whole process that is what got me. And you've done it, you do it a little different every time, but the reality is the overarching formula you have has been consistent. And it's that, whatever that is, I melt. I can't help it. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's definitely parallels to her experience for you. Mm Mm-hmm about being property, about being mm-hmm. owned, yeah. about being possessed. I remember early on, like he, she's she's considering all these men that are going to use her yeah. and things. And we were, you know, our dynamic is obviously always evolving. Yes. But early on, I think you were trying to find my edges and yes. you were also looking at your own sexuality edges. Yes. And you would bring up things about gangbangs or different things that you would have me used by people. And I didn't take it as a joke or anything. I took it as these are things you're considering. And I had to sit there with, get my head wrapped around how do I deal with it? So what's interesting is that's the whole point is what I'm sharing with you is that when you bring these things, I have to think how I'm going to deal with it because I already have the choice made that I'm submitted to you, that you own me. So it's not like a question of, well, I don't like that. And I'm going to have to have a talk with him about it. That never seems to come up. What comes up for me is, wow, how am I going to grapple with this? Right. Or is this in my wheelhouse or not? Or right. where am I at on this? And sometimes I would be left at a loss in my own mind. Like, I don't know. I don't, I guess I have to figure that out if it happened. Right. right, right. But th- that that's the interesting thing about me, those are the times I think when I was in the discovery with you on who I was as a sexual creature, I would say, I have to be a submissive because look what I keep going to. I keep going to strategizing how to serve, right? not 
how to stop it. Right. Those are two different things. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's fascinating for me to read this and to feel that I'm living an experience that's a parallel universe to what she's, you know what I mean? Well, you definitely are able to look at this book with a set of eyes mm -hmm. that most people don't have when they read it. Right. Like the way you read the story is from a place of identifying with the participant in your person. Like you literally are walking those steps. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And most people who read this aren't. Most people who read this are looking at it with judgment. Like they're judging and assessing the story of O as a fantasy or as a possibility, but they don't actually, they haven't any experience mm -hmm. in submission. Like in like For slavery. sure. Like yeah. even in our claiming ceremony, it's exactly what it sounds like it is. Yeah. I was at effect to hours and hours of your choices and what I was to do next and where, and it wasn't a, like you laid it out ahead of me. You, I mean, there were certain things you said, this is what will happen when I claim you, but like how that laid out, I had no choreography on this. There right. wasn't a discussion. We were not talking very much during the, the no. whole time. And we don't anyway. And we don't anyway, but that's our style. But yeah. I remember my mind was just a washing machine in the sense of, <laughs> I'm doing this right now. This is what's happening to me right now. Right. Oh, and he's changed it. Now I'm over here. Now I'm, you know, and I'm just grappling with trying to figure out what I'm doing and how I'm serving you mm -hmm. in the moment that you're asking for whatever right. it is and being able to be on the fly and go, okay, now I'm up to this. And right. now this is what's happening. And the truth is that was your first real experience at submission. And in major kink. I and mean, in kink, yeah. Yeah. So it was like a huge washing over me. So when people talk about what she's being thrown into, I think to myself, I know exactly, I, I know what that feels like. Yes. I didn't know what was going to happen next. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're almost in that place, which I hear Oates speak to this a lot in the way, she, in the way it's written. You're almost too headed about it yeah. when it's you're in it because there's a part of you experiencing something and then there's a part of your service that you're like trying to get your head around like I mean the natural human thing is to judge and assess your moment to moment circumstances because you got right. to make survival choices right you got to well make, that's what I mean you yeah. are in a survival mode because you it's unclear what's going on it's fascinating you're being objectified in the moment for use yes. as a piece of property yes. and that's a much different experience than being a participant in sex or what have you, you know, or right. coming to you as a dominant only and saying, I need you to do this to me, discipline me this way. Cause then there people know ahead what's going to happen. Yeah. One of the things that I've struggled with, with the Chateau as a construct mm -hmm. is this idea of the women just being sort of silent, like holes to be used mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. whipped, right? Like, like right. that's, that's their lot. And I struggle with finding any of that sexually interesting. Like it's not well, interesting I don't know. to me. I think it's a power thing. What I would say Get, it's much more of a power thing to these men. Cause I thought that too. I thought you have all these women at your disposal to go fuck. Right. And so there's part of you is just, I need, I just fuck all these people cause I can conquest it. Right? right. And then part of it is there probably are to each person. There's someone you find attractive Like that girl. I find her right. really sexy, but what makes her a sexual creature is if she makes sounds when she's yeah. enjoying what you're doing to her in the throes of it. But it sounds much more like that's not the point. It sounds much more like it is all about power. Like there, these people in this club get off on the power of just being able to say, Neil, take my cock. And 
but they the could power do that. is arousing to them. Yeah, but they could they could have that and also have relatedness. You're right, but yeah. you're looking for a whole rainbow of experience. And yeah. just because they're kinksters and just because they're doing this stuff, I don't think that makes them able to have access to even some of the things we experience. Sure. As kinksters. Yeah, it's really interesting. So so it's a lane. They're in a lane. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Very. We'll lead on. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.